Black Tree Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black Tree Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, friend, welcome and hello. Run it up. Come on in. <laughs> Kristen, please. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is our first time back on the show in, like, what, almost two weeks? It's crazy. The last time we were here, we were talking about how excited we were for our Richmond show, but now we've had Richmond and Brooklyn, and both of them were fucking dope. So, oh my god, we have so much fun. We really did. Thank you to everybody that showed up. Oh my gosh, we really had a great time, and we love you. So, we're here today with this case. It's a little bit of like a salacious one, I'll say. The media Ooh. definitely had its fun with it, the local media at least. And yeah, I'm not gonna waste too much of your time. Let's just get into it. Sister, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. In 2008, a South Carolina woman who had everything going for her let her love for a man and a woman lead her to committing a cardinal sin and brutally taking a life. So join us as we discuss the murder of Nicole Harris. Ooh. You said Nicole Harris? Nicole, like M-E-K-O-L-E. Nicole. Oh, that's hot. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty. But rest in peace to Nicole right at the top. Rest in peace, Nicole. She went through a lot. On Monday, April 7th, 2008, a woman named Sue Bostic called the Greenville City Police Department to report a suspicious garbage bag that she found on her front porch. And it was not by itself. She also found a threatening note that was left under her windshield wipers on her car. Mm Mm-hmm. What is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to get to that. So once police arrived, Officer Odom took the trash back to the back of his vehicle and opened it to see what was inside. And to his shock, he saw a human foot, a hand, and a few severed toads. Oh, wow. A whole dismemberment on her front porch? Yes. Like, this isn't someone email. I mean, Amazoning you fake poop. Like, this no. is real human pieces. Yeah, super scary, super morbid, and makes you ask a lot of questions. Yeah, definitely bold. Now, the situation has taken a very drastic turn, obviously, and they called crime scene investigators to come in and check out the scene. Little did they know that just a few miles away, a woman named Juden Burnside had received a similar garbage bag and threatening note. Uh Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. The second garbage bag contained another human foot and hand. And investigators had no idea who it belonged to at that point, but they could tell that the victim was a black person. The person was black. Okay. Both notes that were left at the two separate scenes referred to the same person, a woman named Grace. The notes threatened Grace and said that if she didn't return to, quote, the organization, her young son would be killed. I hope that wasn't his hand and his foot. 
No, it wasn't. It wasn't, thankfully. Okay. This is intense. So this is an organization, some, some type of group that's doing this, not a singular person, which makes it even scarier. So if you were investigator, Kristen, you would be on the wrong track because the... Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> The term the organization, I think, was kind of just to mislead people, but mm -hmm. also maybe just a part of the actual killer's, like, psychosis in itself. So we're going to talk about all that. Okay. So at this time, the police didn't know who Grace was. They didn't know if she was the victim, where she was, nothing. But after talking to both Susan and Judon, they learned that both women knew Grace or at least a Grace, they were family members of hers and that Judon was actually Grace's mother. Oh, okay. So this was pointed. Very, very intentional and targeted, yes. So fortunately, Grace was not the victim and investigators were able to locate her and see that she was safe. But we're going to come back to what Grace had to say when investigators came to see her. Oh, I could figure it wasn't Grace because it's like you want Grace to come back. Why would she be in the, the person you're chopping right. off body parts from? Exactly, exactly. Good but to threaten little. to yeah. send body parts to her family members' homes and threaten the life of her child. I mean, honestly, police at first thought it could be associated with the mob or, you know, organized crime because... Obviously, just that. looking at it, exactly, just looking at it, you can kind of think, okay, this looks familiar, but that's not the case. But it's just definitely heartless to even try to make people think this, let alone someone's family. Right. Yeah. At this point, police have a pair of hands, a pair of or feet, and some toes. That's it. So they decide to use the fingerprints to see if they can get a match in their system, and they do. Oh, victim... somebody been to jail. Kristen, please. This is the victim went to jail, yes, before, but sad. Okay. So the victim would turn out to be 34-year-old Nicole Harris. Nicole Michelle Harris was a mother of four who, at the time, was trying to get her life together. She, unfortunately, was dealing with, like, a crack addiction. So she spent a lot of time on the streets, moving around, and engaging in sex work to support her habits. Her children were living with relatives at the time, but Nicole, who was... Honestly, overall described as super caring and she was well known in her neighborhood and was always helping people and stuff like that. Um, she was trying to do better and she actually went missing from in front of a staffing agency. Oh, like Cole. Yeah, like she was trying to get legitimate work mm -hmm. before she literally got gone. Right. And just one week before her death, which is pretty creepy, I'll say, Nicole told her mother that she thought someone was trying to kill her. Uh -uh. And you can like chop that up to just regular addict on drugs types of thinking. But to know that it happens a week later, is just you pay extra attention to it. Or you wish you would have. Yeah, definitely. Jessie Mae Harris, which is Miko's mother, was beyond heartbroken when she found out what happened to her daughter and said, quote, she was a human being. She did not deserve to be chopped up like an animal. And that's on period. Right. She did not deserve to have her freaking fingers, I mean, her foot and her toes on the doorsteps of women that she don't know. Absolutely. And not attached to the rest of her body. I mean, to take her life in general is super cruel, but to cut her up afterward is just 
inhumane and I'm confused as to why this person even fucking did this. Mm-hmm. I'm still confused and I did all the research already. Oh, wow. So yeah. Nicole's not attached to Grace? Not directly. Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of get into that right now. So now the investigators know who their victim is. They start retracing the last known steps she took before she died. And like I mentioned, she went missing from a temporary staffing agency. And when investigators went to talk to workers and witnesses in the area, they recalled seeing Miko with a man, a man named Clarence Jenkins. Okay, Clarence. Classic Clarence. Kristen, only Clarence. The two seemed to be booed up with people remembering seeing Miko sitting on his lap and even seeing the two coming out of a bathroom together. Miko. Mm-hmm. So it seems like yeah, it makes you think they did a little shink back mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And after her sneaky link with Clarence, Miko was never seen again. So police knew they needed to talk to him. Absolutely, because he could be the last one who saw her. He could be Correct. the killer. Usually, the last person to see the victim is the killer. Is the one who done it. Right. Nicole was cute. I know. You could she tell Nicole had thing. a body. Right. She was probably one of them back in her day, you know. Mm-hmm. Fine one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's get into Clarence. Oop. Mm-hmm. Okay, Clarence. Mm-hmm. Clarence Jenkins Jr. was born in the 1980s, I think like 83 or 84, and he grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, in a not-so-ideal situation. His parents didn't really raise him at all. He spent most of his time with the neighborhood kids, and you know how kids raising kids can be horrible. Just not a good mix, yes. Gasoline, lighter, explosive, not good. <laughs> Burn the house down. Right. Right. And with Clarence, it was kind of like that. He was arrested really early in life for some misdemeanors. Nothing too crazy, but he was a criminal. And at 23, he was definitely a womanizer. Oh, Clarence. What is Clarence Mm -hmm. giving? I sent you a picture of him actually a while ago. Let me see. Ugly. He doesn't give womanizer at all, but you know, ugly men be pulling, child. They sure do. Women don't Mm -hmm. care. If you have other things to offer, they're not really too concerned with your looks. Correct. He was a womanizer at the time. He was working as a construction worker, and he wasn't, when he wasn't working, he was gallivanting around looking for women, with women. He was kind of gross with it. He took pleasure in manipulating and controlling women. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's giving Instagram hope. Like, it's Mm. really giving, like, the new generation of people that just want to get something from somebody and does not care about the relationship whatsoever. Attention-seeking, thirsty, just... And this is, like, not a good thing to see, especially in men, because for some reason men can be so fucking aggressive. So when you're controlling, manipulative, and you have a thing for inflicting these things on women, it's just not going to be good. No. But he was apparently charming, So, like I said, he pulled a lot of women and he was mostly interested in just being sexual with them until one day he met 19-year-old Carmen. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Carmen. Carmen Major was born in 1987 in Greenville, South Carolina, but her life was completely different from how Clarence grew up. She was adopted when she was three years old by a woman who was a devout Christian, so Carmen spent majority of her time in the church. Okay, Carmen. Carmen the Mm -hmm. Christian. Carmen the Christian. She was like a usher. She was all up in there. 
fully. Not climbing being an usher with the yeah. blankets ready for when people fall out on the floor because they've been touched by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think those are called ushers, but that's probably what she was doing, especially mm-hmm. being so young. And she had a woman usher. Right. She had an older brother, and he described their relationship as very close to the point that she was like a second mother to him. Mm-hmm. Carmen was loving. She had straight A's in school and would give you the shirt off of her back. Once she graduated high school, she went off to college and enjoyed the first taste of freedom she ever really had. So she was still that loving, beautiful person that everyone described her as. But now she's like, you know, okay, I don't have to go to church every day. I can have friends outside of youth group. This is going to be great. Yeah, she's starting to see like the real world and how she fits in it. Exactly. And the options that she has. And uh, the good Carmen didn't really last long. Thank Carmen. Well, okay. I won't, I won't say that. I'll say Carmen at school in, in college wouldn't last long. Because mm-hmm. as soon as she arrived, Carmen learned that her mother was diagnosed with a really bad staph infection. And she had to be hospitalized for six weeks. Oh, no. Right. So at first she was able to still stay at school for a bit, but the family didn't have the money for a round of clock care. So Carmen left school and started taking care of her mother, essentially full time. That really sucks. It's like you get that touch of freedom and then boom, it's snatched away. And she probably feels guilty if she feels bad about it because her mom's sick. Despite like the sacrifice that we see it as, and I'm sure Carmen saw it as, she was happy to take care of her mother. Like, again, this was kind of what she was made for. She wanted to take care of people. Yeah, she's a real one. Yeah. But she did start to miss just being on her own and worrying about herself. And she was 18 at the time. So you want you want your own thing. I couldn't. I was desperate to get to college. Good Lord. I got there (laughs) at 17 and was fucking ready. (laughs) Also, it's like they prepare you for that. Like you've been in your freaking parents house for how freaking long? Like you want to go. You want to live. So and then the fact that she got a taste of that and then had to come back. That'll wear on anybody, no matter how innocent and caring you are. Especially being so young. And eventually she grew tired of it and she wanted more out of life. And that's what seemingly happened when one day she met Clarence Jenkins in her apartment complex. Hot dog it. I know, right? Clarence liked what he saw, apparently. Like the one thing that stood out to him the most was Carmen's pretty face. So he started to come around more and more looking for an excuse to like get her attention and it eventually worked and they started dating and spending time together and the two had sex. Okay. We know how these things go. They became intimate and it was like Carmen's first sexual experience, at least with a man that I could find. So that could be a reason why maybe she was so like toxically attached to him. Damn, Carmen. Did anybody tell you never love your first? (laughs) You can't help. I specifically had my first to be someone that I would never get attached to. (laughs) Well, you were smart with it, especially with her not having a father in her life. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe that added to her desire to have someone exactly there for her anyway. So Clarence was benefiting from the relationship, too. So it wasn't just Carmen getting the love and attention that she's always wanted from a man. Carmen was taking care of him. Like, she didn't care about his little past run-ins with the law and stuff. She wanted to help him get his life on track. What was she doing, girl? I don't know what she was doing specifically. But I did read that she was just trying to make him better. You know, trying to make him prioritize working and getting his finances together and all that type of stuff. So 
Oh, Carmen, you were a real one. He never deserved you. She really was a catch. The two became inseparable and would eventually get married and welcome a child together. Oh, Ah, stop, Carmen. She's probably thinking this is my love story, you know? I know. Forever attachment. And I'd rather they had two children together before all of the horribleness went down. So they were literally a little family. According to people that knew the couple at the time, they were super normal. Like they would go to church faithfully. Clarence was working construction and Carmen got her a job at a sports store. And I mean, nothing out of the ordinary with the two. And then. And then. Hey, you guys. So as you know, Kristen has recently moved in with me. Hey. So happy about that. And she knows I'm not a cooker. I'm just not going to do it. So we had to try something different to make sure that we're both getting as much food as we need, especially with me being a pregnant bitch. (laughs) So that's why we decided to try HelloFresh. And Kristen's the one that's been cooking it, let's be honest. So Kristen, what's it giving? You know what? It's really giving fun, fresh recipes and fun and fresh ingredients. I don't have to think about what I'm going to cook. I just go down there, look at the bag, and start prepping. And these steps to actually make this food, y'all, is super simple. Yeah. It's nice to use to try new recipes and, like, you know, improve your palate. And then I can say, yo, I made a Brussels and lemon ricotta flatbread. Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying I made chicken and rice. Exactly. Elevate your cooking and just try something new with HelloFresh. And if you go to Hello fresh.com slash black true crime 50 you get 50 percent off your first box and it ships free y'all are you joking 50 percent off 50 percent off not 20 50 so dope and they have snack options you don't have to just buy the full meals they have things that you can get that are just snacks or quick on the go types of things so i mean i highly recommend at least trying america's number one meal kit Yes. Did you hear that? Number one meal kit. You can't lose. <laughs> Remember, go to HelloFresh.com slash BlackTrueCrime50 and use code BlackTrueCrime50 for 50% off. Plus, your first box ships free. Okay, back to the show. And then they met a woman at church named Grace. They grew really close to Grace and even let her move in with them after she filed for divorce from her husband. Mm, that was your first mistake. Moving a woman in with your man? Are you joking? And then we're going to get to it, but it's just like red flag all over the place. And If she's not your sister, who right. else? Your mother? There's going to be that? a little bit of a plot twist that come. So I don't know if this, well, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Now we're back to talking about Grace and what she told investigators the day they came looking for her. So she said that she was recently living with a couple, but decided to move out because she was trying to get custody of her children back. So to explain that a little bit further, after her divorce, her ex-husband refused to help her financially. So Grace was in a bad place and child services was like, these kids don't need to be with you until you get a job and you get your own place. And until that happens, they're not coming back. Wow. So I know. But thankfully, Grace had an aunt that was willing to watch her kid until she got her stuff together. And once she found out the stipulations, she said bye to her little fake family they made. She said bye to Carmen and Clarence. And decided to go do what she needed to do to get her kids back. Good. Good for her. Grace described like the separation as mutual kind of. Like it was really amicable. They didn't have any issues. And this is kind of surprising because Carmen and Grace and Clarence were engaging in a sexual relationship together. Ah, uh, Carmen. And Carmen. I was really surprised. 
I mean, I didn't expect that from Carmen. Of course, it was Clarence. It's probably his idea. 99% of me believes it's his idea. And Carmen, you're just, you're too good of a woman because I never would have went along with it. I know, I know. Especially with Clarence being the one that was having sex with Grace before Grace even knew that Carmen was his wife. So Clarence had met Grace first. They started having a sexual thing. Then someone else actually told Grace that Clarence was married to Carmen because Clarence had initially told Grace that Carmen was just like his cousin or like a member of his family. Are you effing kidding me? So yes, all of this is wrong. This is horrible. He's a cheater. Yeah. And had the nerve to bring the woman he was cheating on his wife with into the bedroom with his wife. So before, okay, I have to explain a little bit more because they didn't all just say, yeah, we're going to immediately start this thing. Mm -hmm. Clarence had gone to jail because he had he did some more dumb shit and was in jail for a little bit. So Carmen and Grace were living in the house together mm-hmm. and spending a lot of alone time together. And mm-hmm. that's when the two of them actually started a sexual relationship and Carmen fell in love with Grace. Oh my gosh. What are we doing? It's giving sister wives. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, okay? Because remember, initially it was just Clarence and Grace and Carmen I don't know if Carmen knew that they were having sex I don't know but after he went to jail is when Grace and Carmen started having sex Clarence didn't know that they were having sex until he came back right so Mm -hmm. when he comes back Carmen's like listen I can't hide this feeling I can't fight this feeling anymore and (laughs) she had to tell him how she was feeling about old girl Grace and that's and naturally, Clarence being the disgusting little shit that he is, he's like, oh, this works in my favor. Like, <laughs> let's all get it. We can't all get it together. And you that's lucky son of happen. a gun. You mm. lucky son of a gun. Because if it was me, somebody would have got hemmed up, too. Multiple people would have. I would have been in jail right after Clarence got out if he said some dumb shit like that to me. So they become a thruple. And mind you, this is a thruple that met at church. It's just. <laughs> this is not the holy trinity that we talk about in right. church. Right. So when Grace decided to leave for her children, the overall reaction was chill. And she didn't really think that Carmen and Clarence could possibly be the ones writing the threatening letters and sending the body parts, all that stuff. Oh, but they are. But they are, and I'm like, Grace, use half of your brain, please, because Clarence had been threatening her to come back home since she left. So I'm like, if he's sending you threatening texts and emails and stuff like that, why don't you think he would send an actual note still threatening you to come back to, quote, the organization? Because she's dumb, and I think she was really trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she still had feelings for them. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe she got so comfortable, it's like, you feel like you know somebody. Why would you ever think that they would do something so heinous, you know, as far as leaving an innocent woman's body parts at your own family member's houses? I mean, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And even though Grace thought Carmen was totally cool with the breakup, she was actually really devastated when Grace left because she was in love with her and, like, fully wanted to be with her. This is insane. (laughs) I know. Like, it's tickling me pink, but at the same time, it's just like, so Carmen and Clarence are both toxic. 
A hundred and ten percent. I think the more time they're spending together, the more like deviant Carmen is becoming. And none of Carmen's goodness is rubbing off on Clarence at all. None of it. Like she has completely let him corrupt her. Corrupted mm-hmm. Carmen. Christian Carmen went to corrupt a Carmen. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She would complain to Clarence constantly about how she wanted Grace back. And he took it into his own hands. He's like, okay, you know, you hurt my bitch's feelings. So I'm going to come for you. So he started to threaten Grace. And since that didn't work in his fucked up mind, the next logical step is to just kidnap someone, dismember them, and then use their body parts to scare Grace into returning. Like, where As you do. When things like this happen, that's the natural reaction. No, like this is a cartel type stuff. Kidnap a random woman, dismember her and put them on the doorsteps of Grace's family. Like, where did you learn that from? Right. Really, really over the top. Extra. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what chemical imbalance has to happen in your brain to even think that something like this is something you should do or will make sense for you to get what you want? I just don't get it. But people don't fear the law. Like People don't fear ruining their fucking lives. And I need that type of fear to come back. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have a fear of God. They don't have the, definitely don't have the fear of of Uncle Tom, fear of the law, none of that. My thing is, and then with Carmen being his, like, battery pack, probably boo-hooing because she's so sad that Grace is gone. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I'm doing this for my woman, too? It's a wrap. Exactly. And then on top of that, remember, he has like this control thing when it comes to women, this manipulation thing. So for Grace to even have the gall to get up and leave them, I mean, I feel like he definitely had some negative feelings toward that. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you? Exactly. The police considered Grace's ex-husband as a suspect initially, but cleared him when his alibi checked out. So the police really had no reason not to follow up on the Clarence Jenkins lead. Okay. They would eventually find Miko's DNA on multiple surfaces inside of Carmen and Clarence's house. How do you even excuse that? I don't know. You know, especially with no real connection to Nicole. There's no reason for her to be in that house. Exactly. Like you said, there's no reason for her DNA to be there. And with that evidence, they were able to issue some arrest warrants for Carmen and Clarence. And they were arrested on April 10th, 2008. Hmm. Mm-hmm. was it worth it carmen was it worth throwing your life away for this piece of shit man like you let a man either bring out what was already there or corrupt you but part of me thinks it was already there in carmen carmen just never had a chance to explore that side of her i agree and i think some part of some type of evil is in everyone right like everyone's capable of being completely carnal and losing it but i feel like a certain lock on a certain door has to have a certain key in order to access that. And some people just have to meet the right person. Nor the wrong person. There you go. Yeah. Carmen would end up agreeing to testify against her man. She would tell the court everything that happened and where Miko's body could be found. Dang, Carmen, then you gonna snitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> you were trying to give Bonnie and Clyde, but you you can't even follow through. No, no. She wasn't built like, you know, she wasn't built for this shit. <laughs> Let's keep it real. I don't know what she was thinking for the, the second and a half that they decided to do this dumb shit. I have no idea. But Clarence is probably looking like, you dumb bee. Carmen would confess that Clarence felt like Grace not only left them, but she also owed them $10,000. Oh. 
That's where did this come into play? Back rent. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Where the hell did he get these numbers from? And he was determined to get that money back. That's when he started threatening her. But Mm. that wasn't enough. So he lured Nicole in by pretending to be a police officer and claiming he was arresting her for drug possession and prostitution. But that if she helped him, he'd keep her out of jail. Oh, Nicole. Nicole, Nicole. Does he even look like a cop, Nicole? I don't even know. But also, you know, Nicole was on the streets. She was possibly still using drugs. I know she was trying to get her life together and get a job and stuff. But who knows what state of mind she was in at that time. Right. This is not her fault whatsoever. Yeah. It just really, really sucks that out of all people, you know, he found Nicole. Mm-hmm. Clarence took Nicole back to his house, handcuffed her to the bed, and forced her to call different members of Grace's family, demanding that they pay them the $10,000 she owed. So, I mean, imagine what Nicole was thinking at this time. Like, I'm a comp- I don't even know who these people are, and here I am. Nicole is like, are you joking? Like, is this the Twilight Zone? Why am I here? Right. I feel really bad. The next day on April 6th, Carmen attempted to strangle Nicole on Clarence's instruction, but she lost her grip like she wasn't able to do it. And that's when Clarence tied a cord to the back of the chair, put a plastic bag on her head and suffocated her. Wow. All because you brought her into this. I wonder if they had already at that time decided to dismember her or they were trying to get rid of her because she saw their faces. That's a really good question. I think it was more so maybe because she saw their faces. I'm not sure they initially intended on killing her. Yeah, because it's not giving this is a well thought out plan by Cameron. I mean, what's her name? Carmen and Clarence. Right. Definitely not. They then cut off her hands and feet, took her body to Paris Mountain and burned it. Good Lord. Just disposed of her like she meant nothing. Rest in peace, Nicole. Rest in peace, Nicole. Carmen and Clarence were facing the death penalty. Carmen agreed to tell investigators where to find Nicole's body if they dropped the possibility of death. And by 2011, she'd agreed to a full-on plea deal. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. On March 27th, 2012, Carmen pled, pled guilty to the murder of Nicole Harris and was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Period. All of that. Although, in 2013, she applied to have her sentence reduced and it was granted... A to judge, what? A judge knocked 10 years off. Okay, well, she's still going to be in there for a very long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At, at least the best parts of her life. Right. Clarence Jenkins Jr. received life in prison without parole. Hallelujah. Mm. Yep. And unfortunately, Nicole's mom died of a stroke in 2010, so she didn't get a chance to see her baby get justice or even brought home for a proper burial, which is... Mm. An extra layer of just sadness in this. And Mm. one of her closest family friends said that she grieved to death. That was what killed her. No, that's so sad. Losing her baby. I know. I can't even imagine the pain, the daily pain she went through. I can't. I can't even think of it. Rest in peace to Nicole's mama. And rest in peace to Nicole. I mean, this kid's been really sad because she was just somebody walking down the street. I mean, you never think that just living your life, you can run into someone that wants the worst possible thing to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And then on and top like, of that, they barely know you. Right. And then it's even worse that she wasn't like the targeted victim. She mm-hmm. was just used for them trying to get at Grace. 
Right, right. And Grace is like scot-free out of this. You know, she wasn't responsible for anything that happened. She was just living her life. And to think that her family members had to be traumatized by seeing body parts dropped off and threatening I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I honestly am shocked that this happened, especially hearing about how Carmen was before she met Clarence. I know, right? And then it makes you feel like, okay, well, was this person, Carmen, very sheltered? Mm -hmm. And because she was so sheltered, she wasn't prepared for the manipulative ways of Clarence. Right. So maybe is she in her own way a victim? I think that's maybe what led to the judge deciding to knock off 10 years of her sentence. Because you can very clearly tell that this wasn't entirely, it wasn't really Carmen's idea, especially the point to getting to the point of kidnapping a woman and dismembering her and killing her. I don't think that was any part of really what Carmen wanted to happen. That was mostly Clarence and Carmen was just the dummy that went along with it. I'm going to call her dumb because you can't be that smart to do something that you know is wrong because someone else is telling you that it's right. Yes, and then you're allowing him to do that because of your own emotions about a situation. Like, this is the way Clarence moves. He's very manipulative. He took the way Carmen felt about Grace, Grace right. leaving them, and, and justified his actions based on that. Exactly. Even throwing in the $10,000. It's like, please, where did you get these figures from? Are you... That's like you said, Kristen, is it back rent? Like, what does she... <laughs> is it because she was living in the house without having to pay bills? Like... Now you want your money back? I'm just very confused. controlling. I'm not getting my way. So now I'm going to try to like ruin your day type of man. And be very unreasonable about it. Absolutely. So forget you, Clarence. You totally 100% deserve your life sentence. Carmen, girl, I hope you're getting help in jail. Because if you do get out, maybe you have a chance at being rehabilitated and living a, a normal rest of your life. Yeah, and for all of us that are listening, you have to wonder, like, are you prepared to meet somebody that's overly manipulative? Are you prepared to be able to discern a good person from a bad person? Or will you be manipulated just like Carmen? You know, we right. have to think about these things. Yeah, yeah. And you have to protect your peace and your space. So because... people have to cover your case. <laughs> I mean, you know, you guys know the lingo, but it does. It really does apply. You just have to be aware because there's snakes everywhere. Absolutely. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for being so patient with us getting back to the nitty gritty. We'll be back on schedule. You guys won't have to worry about where episodes are anymore now that the tour is over. And thank you to everyone again for coming out to the tour. It was amazing. And we're so happy we did it. Absolutely. Brooklyn was nuts. You guys are a different breed. <laughs> totally. And we love you all. We would really, really do and appreciate you. And before we go, as always, be safe. Be safe. Protect, protect your, peace, your peace. And protect, and protect your, your space. So we don't so have to, we cover, don't have your to cover your case. Period. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.